The Boston Celtics beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in a game that was simultaneously close and then also not close. We break that down and more with a very, very special guest next on First to the Floor. Who's going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. Wayne Spoonie here, and I'm also joined by my man, Jake Eisenberg. But Jake, no offense, you're far yeah, less look. important than our guest here. <laughs> uh, we, we are here with Richard White. You might know him as uh, a fantastic tweeter and the father of Derek White. Richard, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Okay. Also, always well after a victory. <laughs> that is right. Even one that gets a little sketchy at the very end there. So usually in our post-game shows, here's how we do it right off the top. We go around, everybody give one big takeaway from the game, sort of the key thing you thought won the game. Um, so Richard, why don't you start us off? What do you think was the big decider for the Seas tonight? Uh, I I thought the ball movement was a lot better than the other game. Uh, uh, there was a several, you know, two, three, four pass sequences, and they were pretty much knocking down the shots after after those ball reversals. So if you can get the get the ball moving, get the defense moving, the, your shooting percentage goes up. Against against the Knicks, it was kind of like one pass and then or a catch and shoot, and they didn't really make the defense work. Yeah, I think it was evident straight away. Big game. Everybody was playing with intensity, getting downhill, kickouts, um, and the defense. I think that's some of the best defense I think they've played all season. And, you know, obviously a big matchup with the Cavs losing those two games in overtime. I think all Celtics fans, this was going to impact us emotionally one way or another. If they got the win, we were going to be riding high. Thankfully, that's what happened. But, you know, it's been kind of a rocky, you know, out of the, out of the gate from the All-Star break because, um, you know, we were two and one with the Pacers and the Sixers wins, but it, it didn't quite feel like two and one, especially after the, the gut punch of the Knicks game. To see them come out and play the right way, yeah, um, Richard, you're 100% right. Like when they're moving the ball like that, they are just so hard to defend. The quality of the shots go up. The rim attempts are easier because the defense is, you know, in rotation. Um, and then to match up on the other end, I know we'll get to Rob, but it was great to have to be able to match their double bigs with with our double bigs. Yeah, yeah and uh, we shot fifty percent from three tonight. I think you know that goes a long way. But it felt like unlike the Knicks game, um, a lot of these threes were earned, and it goes to the ball movement. That starting lineup, um, you know, they make up for a lack of shooting. Although Al is basically an elite three point shooter <laughs> at this point. With the ball movement, they had that one ridiculous play. I think it was Tatum hit Al, and then yeah. Al like touch passed Aliyup to Rob. That was just so incredible. And yeah, I think the ball movement and combined with the shooting uh, just really set the tone. And the Cavs just couldn't really keep up, despite Donovan Mitchell going absolutely crazy. Uh, Richard, what is it like watching your son have to go against a guy like Donovan Mitchell who's just absolutely in the zone like that? Uh, it's that's kind of been his calling card throughout. Um, yeah. like he's, he's with like the Spurs. He always got the tough, tough matchups. So he always had Mitchell. He always had Lillard. I mean, you know, when they played the Celtics, he had Tatum. So, you know, yeah. it's, 
not a not a really a, a difficult thing. You, you just kind of make them work as best you can, and kind of hope to put them in areas that they're not comfortable with, and, and they miss a few. Yeah, Garland and Mitchell, man, they are they are a handful. Like Garland, straight out the gate, big threes. Mitchell, I don't know what was what was going on with him tonight to play forty four minutes. Um, and empty the tank like that on you know in the second half. I was trying to figure out why you know because he had he took that knock and I was wondering if it was like a bruise thing. You know when you like you sprain your ankle or something, you you may as well just keep playing because when you wake up the next day, that's gonna like that's how bad it's gonna be regardless of how you keep playing. I wonder if it had something to do with that because they were down big. It didn't make sense that they were playing him so many minutes and man he. He wanted to get back in that game. I, I, I know he's tied with Jalen and Jason. I think it was a little, little personal there. He didn't want to get embarrassed on national TV. Man, he just keeps coming. I love how like competitive he is. He's he's a scary, scary player to go against. Like some of the the deep contested step back threes. Like there's just nothing you can do with him. Um, the left to right euro steps, couple of off hands pushing defend like defenders out of the way, like a defensive end swim move. Which I'm pretty sure is an offensive foul that they weren't calling today, but um, they, uh, I thought they made him work for it. But when he's hot, I, I don't really know what you're what you're supposed to do besides just outscore him. Yeah, I mean they they did pretty good on on you know Mit- Mitchell and Garland. They're tough, but they they pretty much contained uh, Mobley and I think Allen one one bucket late. I mean because usually the pick and roll. The roll man is usually open, and they get a lot of buckets that way. But Celtics did a pretty good job with their switching and and keeping them kind of out of the way until you know it got to the end of the game and they had nothing to do, nothing to lose. So Mitchell and Garland just put their heads cool. down, and then you know if you're in the bonus, you can't really you know it, it seemed like a lot of little touch fouls that, mm-hmm. that they're getting, but. You know, there's not much you can do when uh, uh, an NBA superstar puts their head down and goes to the bucket. Yeah, th- there was one point where I think Tatum even tried to trap and Mitchell just split it so quickly and was at the rim. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible at times. And that's Mitchell's fun to watch, man. He's just oh, yeah. so absolutely explosive and his handle is ridiculous. He has the ball on a, him and Garland. Their handle are just both incredible. Um, yeah, it seemed like it was a, a change from how we guarded the Knicks. Because against the Knicks, we were throwing doubles at Randall and at times Emmanuel quickly for some reason. I thought was kind of an interesting choice, but we were hard doubling and hard trapping a lot that game. And tonight, it just seemed like, yeah, just switch it, let Mitchell get his and shut everybody else down. And that that seemed to work. I mean, Garland, he hit those three threes at the end of the game there. But I think yeah. in the more competitive parts of the game, he was great in the first quarter and then really did not do much in that second or the third, um, especially the third when the C's kind of blew the doors open. And uh, yeah, Mobley and Allen didn't even combine for 20 points. And so I I thought it was nice to see Joe change things up a little bit. But we have a a question in the chat from our guys, Green with Envy, Richard. Has Mm -hmm. Derek ever talked to you about a guy he hates guarding or someone he feels like he has figured out? No. No, he just he guards whoever they tell him to guard, and he looks forward to each, you know, each uh, opportunity to, you know, to do the best you can to help the team win. Yeah, I think um, 
I've seen Derek take that many matchups. Um, he he gave the Celtics plenty of trouble. He's oh, yeah. the he's the kind of defender that gives both Jalen and Jason trouble. That just have ninja cat like reflexes, getting hands on balls, like just always around like their ankles. Um, that's yeah. I know you're not you're not giving us the the juice on that one. I guess there's no one that's hard for Derek to guard, right? <laughs> right. Like, that's that's oh, kind of the truth oh, of it. Funny, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Embiid's a problem, and Giannis. Is a, <laughs> yeah. Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic are a problem. After that, you know, you 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 put your head down, and you can. Well, it depends on the the, the actual person. So so like, the thing with uh, Tatum and Brown, they're they're more. You know, when we when we were the Spurs, they're more ISO. So okay. if you ISO and you don't, I mean, Garland gets in because he uses the screen, and then he gets you on your hip. And then you're at a disadvantage. But if you just try to beat him, ISO, then he's he's a lot he's a lot better. So so players that ISO a lot, he he has he has a lot more success. So Luca is an ISO. Right. It, 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 you know, sometimes Luca goes ISO, and you know, sometimes he pick and rolls. But um, you know, like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know, Middleton, you know, pe- people that are perceived bigger than him that just ISO him. He, he can quick hands and, and get hands on the ball. And that's where he gets a lot of block shots. But, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult if you're, you know, if you have to go through, you know, a, a screen. <laughs> well, we love, we love hearing you mention Middleton because, um, so Mr. Celtics killer. It's great, yeah. to, great to have a, a guy that likes to, likes to defend him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Cause when he was with the Spurs, they, they always put him on, on Middleton and, you know Middleton's gotten him sometimes because you you don't always you don't always win, but he had he's he's had some success against Middleton because you know when Middleton tries to post him up and then turn turn and turn and face, Derek can get his hands on the ball. So if you you know so that that's something that you know it's in the back pocket that maybe people don't know because like you said, Middleton has killed the Celtics and. So. <laughs> yeah. And some of those, I think, taller wings, it feels like Derek can kind of get into their handle, too, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like the Garland types where they're just, you know, they're just shorter. Fundamentally, the ball has to travel less distance. But uh, mm-hmm. oh, let's uh, let's jump back into the, the Cavs game here before we kind of get a little bit deeper into um, Richard's background and and his relationship with his son, Derek White. <laughs> uh, so we, we got to talk about Tatum. I mean... <laughs> He's finally back. back. Yeah. Three game cold streak. There were some fans getting, I will say, impatient about Jason Tatum <laughs> yeah. performance. I don't know why, because he does this all the time where he just has <laughs> two or three bad games and then he finds it. And all of a sudden he's flirting with a 40 point triple double. So, Jake, what was your takeaway on Tatum tonight, man? Other oh. than, wow. <laughs> look, I, look, I was a little worried in the first quarter, it was I wasn't sure if Tatum was up to the speed of the game because this this was playoff level intensity. I felt like everybody on the call was bringing it, and we had like the Tatum air ball, uh, which led to I know Richard White's favorite thing in the world, the end of quarter buzzer beater. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if this is a a Celtics issue or it just happens around the league, but we've had that many uh, end of quarter buzzer beaters. But from that moment on, it was. Um, second quarter, we had the put-back slam, and it felt like that was the moment that Tatum got into the game, and it was defense, rebounding, 
and then the pull-up three starts to work, the playmaking. Um, Spinny, you kind of said you like Tatum's game from the Knicks game from a playmaking perspective. And like, I think I, I, upon reflection and watching some of the tape again, I was like, I, I kind of agreed. And it felt like he was really making the right play out there, um, coming off screens, not hesitant. Uh, and then the confidence just once Tatum gets the, gets the feel, Scal loves to say it only takes one. Once, once Tatum gets on a little bit of a roll, you, there's nothing you can do. When, when the pull-up three is working, honestly, I love to see the stat line of only four from six, like only six three-point attempts, um, 14 free-throw attempts. And obviously the rebounding and the eight assists you love to see as well. But the outside in the all-around game, I think what makes Tatum like kind of one of the more unique superstars at the top is he, the zero weaknesses, offensive rebounding lately, defensive rebounding. Looks like a power forward out there lately. Um, and then obviously can give you 40. Um, kind of a matchup nightmare for the Cavs. Like Garland and Mitchell can't stay with him. And if he gets uh, Mobley or Allen on the switch, just kind of too quick for them. And then he was just making beautiful passes. The, you know, the left-handed kick to Hauser. Um, he found Horford on several amazing kickouts. Um, it was a perfect all-around top five Tatum game. Yeah, I mean, that was his best game in quite a while. And that includes some of his very good games from before the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, I don't know, Richard, is there any takeaways you have from this game other than the refs being atrocious in the fourth quarter uh, before we kind of move on? No, I mean, you know, the they went back to playing their regular, their good ball. I mean, where where things bog down is, you know, if, 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 you know, Tatum or Brown, they just hold the ball and then, you know, it's like, oh, it's the ball's not move, going to move. And then they, they shoot their percentage drops way, way, way down. But if the ball is moving and then they get it, catch and go, I mean, there's no stopping Jalen Brown and Tatum when they, they go to the rim. But if, if they, if they stagnate themselves, then, 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 then that hurts. And that's kind of what happened at the end of the game. They stagnated because they're trying to use 20, 20 seconds off the clock to try to get the game over. Mm. And reason that just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> Never. The bleed the clock Celtics are so bad at bleeding the clock. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Every time, like uh, my fiance came home and we were up like twenty, and um, the lead just starts to whittle down. I'm like, you have to, you have to leave the house again. This can't be. And then Tatum hit a three. They go up 16 with like four minutes left. And I'm like, oh, it's over. She's like, don't say that. And it was over, but they did a good job of making us sweat. We can't move on, though, without at least giving Al Horford his, like, I know we mentioned him, but like, I think I might cry when Al Horford retires. Like, he, he steps up in the big moments, like the Sixers game dragged us back. This game, like, what, six for six from three? Playoff hell, man. Um, I, I can see him aging nice, nice and gracefully, but like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be emotional when he when he finally leaves the leaves the team. And um, if we're able to get a ring with him, I think you know, I don't know, retiring his jersey is probably going a little bit too far, but um, I retired in my heart. Yeah, I mean, he does, he does, you know, he's found his spots. I mean, both corners and then top of the key. So if you can get, run the offense, you know, because the, the high screen and roll seem to be, seem to be working. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, Derek comes over there, you know, he just wants to engage the, 
engage the defense because the pass is either going to go to uh, Orford for a three or 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 Rob for a, a lob. So, and they had both of those. So, yeah. Well, how would you how would you assess? We haven't even talked too much about Derek. How would you assess Derek's performance tonight? Uh, it was it was it was well because this was a different different difficult matchup because of the the Cleveland size and the rotations and lineups were going to be different. So uh, I didn't think he would get a lot of a lot of minutes, and then you know Grant didn't get any minutes at all because uh-huh. of matchup so um he he took the ball to the basket yeah we could have gotten a couple of more you know fouls or whatever but um other than that he seemed to do pretty good i mean he made them he made uh garland and and mitchell you know work as best they can i thought he got the benefit of a couple of soft soft calls where you know they just gave mitchell everything yeah. it was like he went by and then they, you know, he missed the layup and then they go, Oh, by the way, Derek fouled him. I was like, he's not even in the picture. <laughs> I know when they wait till they see a miss and then blow it, it always grinds my gears. But yeah. uh, when Derek came on, he had yeah. this ridiculous sequence where he like blocked a shot, got that nice little assist on the uh, three on two fast break. And mm-hmm. then immediately tipped a rebound, I think out of like Mobley's clutches. And it was just, the quintessential, this is why Derek White's advanced stats are so incredible and why they say he impacts winning at like an all-star level, even if his counting stats maybe are not there because he just does all the little things, you know what I mean? So he's a little things all-star. Like him and Smart are both very similar in that way. Yeah, yeah. no wonder that the Celtics love Derek White. He's, you know, so similar to, the, you know, the winning players and Marcus Smart players. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, and the lack of ego. I mean, because he he could, you know, everybody wants to to play, and but you know, he does what the team needs. You need him to start. He starts. Come off the bench. You know, close, not close. I mean, he's he's there. So he probably would have closed tonight if he didn't catch that elbow. So yeah, tool man. He's been copping some copping a bit of a beating lately, hasn't he? Like yes. the but that's kind of. That's kind of occupational hazard when you play the way that Derek does, right? He's, he's getting hands everywhere, face in there. It doesn't it doesn't matter like that. That moment, what it was the Pistons game before the All Star break, and he's he's bleeding, and it's just him. One more game. <laughs> yeah, one more. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man. I mean, he's just he's just so willing to do anything the team asks. I mean, you need him to switch on a Jared Allen for a possession, he'll do it. He'll get in there, he'll muck it up on the glass, but. Um, so, again, like I said at the top, great win. I think we dominated that game from the third quarter until about the last three minutes, and then it got a little squirrely, but the Celtics ultimately held on. Uh, so, I believe three and one after the All-Star break and maybe starting to find their groove a little bit on offense. And so, we've got about 20 games left. Uh, we've talked a lot recently, Richard, about kind of what we're keeping tabs on, what we want to see during this final stretch run of the season. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? Um, maybe something they need to tighten up or you'd like to see more of before they hit the playoffs? Uh, basically, find find lineups and rotations that they can use, you know, when they get to the playoffs. So, like, you're going to play Milwaukee. They're kind of a bigger team. 
you know, what kind of lineup can you use there? You probably use Grant more than, than, uh, you know, some other, some other players, uh, you know, find the rotations, especially in the last part of the, of the regular season where Tatum and Brown can get rest in games. I mean, I thought we were going to get that tonight because we had such a big lead, but, Jeez, that, Louise. Not, but you, you know, so if you can, you know, get, Taylor Brown to the 35, 36 of most minutes, then then that then they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah. We've that's something we've definitely spoken about as well. Jason and, and Al in particular, those two guys as far as keeping their minutes down. Yeah, Al Al got up to 32. And Rob, we always worry about. I I'm always clutching my pearls about Rob's minutes, but he's kind of handled the the minutes slow. They got up to 30 minutes tonight, and I thought you know, this was definitely one of the best games of the year for Rob. So to see them have a big game, national game, and handle the minutes load. Yeah, Winfield, Winfield in the chat here, I think is one of best Rob's Rob game of the season. Um, game changer against Mobley and Allen. He was a beast on the board today, right? What are you, He only had 11 rebounds. It felt like he had 20. Like he was everywhere. Yeah, I thought Rob was. I thought Rob was great, looking healthy. I've been tracking Al's minutes like yeah. a psychopath because I'm just so. <laughs> I, as a man who's about to turn 36 years old, I know what it feels like. So I'm really <laughs> tracking, making sure Al gets his rest. But um, so I think I think we covered the Cavs game nicely. So I, personally, I would be very interested, and I think our listeners would be too, to get a, into a little bit of your background, Richard. So Jake, you want to lead us off here? Yeah, of course. Um, I think, you know, everybody's Celtics fan, or most people that are listening to this podcast are Celtics fans. Um, so it'd be interested to get your kind of, your Celtics fandom story. How did you become a Celtics fan? And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, I was born in Boston. So uh, I was born in Boston right when they started their, their run of championships. So yeah. pretty much all I knew was, oh, the Celtics won again. I mean, <laughs> From from 1960 to you know 69, you know, they you know they won what 11 out of 13. So it's like they just didn't lose no matter what. So that was always so I was always a you know a Celtic fan. And then you know when Derek got in the NBA, uh, you know I had to you know give up the Celtic thing <laughs> for the for the Spurs. But that was a you know the Spurs was a great situation, and he learned a lot. And then to come to the Celtics, it's like, uh, it's really nice. I mean, the, the, the fan base, I mean, we, we travel sometimes on the road to games and the amount of green on the foreign, foreign court is just, it's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, we travel. I went to a game in DC yeah. last year, and it was like sixty percent Celtics fans. So, how did uh, <laughs> how did you react when you got the news that he was getting traded to the Celtics? Yeah, it was kind of weird because that that morning, you know, we had, you know, the, during that week, could talk to his agent, and there's like nothing, you know, because we thought maybe there could have been, but then they're saying there, there's no talk, there's no buzz, no one's, no one's hearing anything. So, and then, and then, uh, you know, in the middle of the morning, I get, I get a call, I get a call from, from, from his agent. And so it's like, uh oh. And then he tells me he's been he's been traded. Then Derek calls me. So it's it was kind of 
weird because of the, the, the situation, because never been traded before. How did, you know, how do you get from point A to point B? He's on the road, so he doesn't have a whole lot of clothes and stuff. And his wife's back home in San Antonio and she's pregnant. And yeah. so find a place to live. You got to find a new doctor. You know, all things parents kind of worry because, you know, on the court, he, he's going to do what he does on the court. Right. I don't have any concerns there. But, you know, being an adult or whatever, you, you kind of worry that all the things get taken care of. Yeah. Was there anywhere you were like, once you heard he's getting traded, was there anywhere like, please don't be the Lakers team? Yeah. Please don't be the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like Orlando. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, because I mean, they, it was kind of like, boom. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to like, oh, it's not like say, oh, I'm getting traded. And then yeah. you, <laughs> you say, oh, they trade. I got trade. Yeah. I got, he, he's traded to Boston, which, was always good because I felt like that's a, a good fit fit for him because you got the two stars in Tatum and Brown and Derek is a connector piece. I mean, and he plays defense, so he would fit in with Marcus Smart. He knows a lot of the people there because when, when FIBA, I mean, it was basically FIBA night tonight because Mitchell was there, Tatum, Brown, you know, Derek. And, you know, so they were all, all there. So that was kind of a, a, a place, familiar faces. And then Will Hardy's there. Will Hardy was his first coach in summer league. You know, Ime was there because he was there when Derek was playing for the Spurs in the playoffs against the Nuggets. So the comfort level of, yeah, you got traded, but there's a bunch of people who know who you are made it kind of easier for, for me as a parent that he was, he was going to be taken care of. Yeah, I know with this, Brad, that's how he works then. That's what we're learning yeah. is that no one knows until it's happened. And I mean, yeah, that's a great point. Like they had, they had probably the best scouting report out of anyone outside of the Spurs on Derek White, like to have Eme and, and Will in the room. And yeah, he honestly could not be, have been a, a better fit for this, for this Celtics team. Like, as you said, the ego, the, the connecting piece, like when you, that's like what I think Brad figured out as you know, the coach of the Celtics was the types of players to surround both Jalen and Jason with. You know, it's ball movers, it's people that can, can attack the paint, you know, can basically do everything well. Like, you know, dribble, pass, shoot, um, really get the ball moving, which is what I think has really accentuated how, you know, Jalen and Jason have gone to another level. I think Derek's been a, been a part of that for sure. Yeah, because you got, Dad, you know, Derek and Marcus are both both ball movers. I mean, they, they can take shots but their first inclination is to to pass and set up and you know once you get uh Tatum and Brown going then then you spot up and then you you knock down your your shots so people have to make a decision what, what are they going to do and the more space you can give Tatum and Brown the better yeah no question yeah, and especially with, I mean, his shooting is just on another level this year too. So he can kind of float between being on ball and off ball and he's making everything from the corner. So um, we did some research on you uh, and we found an article from a San Antonio newspaper that said, when you were growing up in Boston, your father used to take you to the same barber shop that the Celtics players frequented. So yes. you've met a bunch of players there. Do you have any like not notable interactions with any of the players 
Um, I mean, I know, you know, I was told that, uh, like, uh, Seth Sanders, he, he, he would come by the house. So we, we, you know, we kind of met him, you know, that first, that first haircut, you know, I bawled like crazy and right in front of, you know, Russell was there and Casey, <laughs> Sam, and it's like, it, it, it's, it was pretty, pretty surreal. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. I would be speechless. I would probably just not talk. Yeah. <laughs> did you get any did you get any good nuggets from being around those guys like you know because that's just a bunch of winners right Celtics legends yeah. um in the court uh, no not no not really because I was probably a little too young to to real to realize and then it's all osmosis would, yeah <laughs> it just I took a I love it. I love it. Um, well, how about you t- tell us a little bit about y- about your game? Like, are you the one who taught Derek the the funky floater game? Because no one has a floater game quite like Derek's. Um, it takes some getting used to as a as someone who's watch- watching him day in day out. Um, I think it keeps defenders off balance because he he gets it up, you know, before they think that he's able to get it up, and um, mm-hmm. he hits it at a really high rate. Is that is that something from your bag, Rich? No, no, that's not 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 me. Um, <laughs> I was more of a, 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 a point guard player, dribble, get the ball to the right the right people, and then play defense. Uh, floater game. That's all Derek and Marcus Mason. They they work on that constantly, and you know, it says you you know you have to work on your your pull up game and your in between game, and that floater game is something that's really important for smaller type players although yeah. he missed the day he had the baseline one he i know to he's gonna hate that and he does the patented Derek white clap, <laughs> clap on the on the walk back as well oh you <laughs> saw that oh yeah yeah, I, yeah um anytime yeah he misses like he'll miss one free throw he'll he'll clap after he misses and then he'll make the second and then he'll clap again like it's so i he's he's great <laughs> He and Tatum, the kings of af- the clap after a missed layup every time. Although Tatum usually does it to show how mad he is at the refs. And yes. Derek's usually like, oh, man, I missed it. So Tatum's clapping uh, at someone else. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Uh, uh, so, or, sorry, go ahead, Richard. I apologize. Or those clap technicals. <laughs> yeah. Has Derek got one of those? No, no, no. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Knock- yeah, uh, so Derek obviously has been wonderful for the Celtics. We are huge fans on this podcast. Um, but he's actually he's been even better this season. And this recent stretch when Smart was out, I, I don't know if you'd agree, but from what I've seen, that might be the best basketball he's played in his career. What do you attribute him kind of going to the next level to this season? Because uh, it's kind of in case of emergency break glass, because they're it, you know, by normal, he'll kind of like try to fit in and, and work with, with work with people and stuff. But at the absence of, of, of players, or if they get behind, then he kind of flips the switch. He's done that in, in, in all his college things where, you know, we're behind and then you go on a mini eight to 10 point run and then get the game back to normal and then turn it back over to the, to, to the other people and, and and let it go from there. So when Marcus was out, he he had he had he had more ball handling responsibilities. Got to run pick and roll, which he's pretty good at. 
uh, with the amount of shooters that they have, uh, it, it, it works really well. Because some of the rotations he's out there, so like when Muscala came in, so he was there with Muscala and Hauser. So if you you come off a you come off a screen, you can either get yourself downhill or those those guys are going to be open and they're going to knock shots down. So that that's why you know when Marcus was out, his assists went way up. In fact, he had like four four double doubles in like a eight eight game period. Yeah, the, the level of confidence that he's been playing with this year, but especially this most recent stretch. I wonder if you, what you think about the theory of sometimes, you know, teams are an injury away from kind of unlocking other parts of their roster, whether that's finding another rotation or a lineup that works, or just like purely giving Derek the car keys for almost a month there, really, to, to be the starting point guard for the team and to have so much success doing it. Do you think that like, I think he was already playing with, I think a different level of confidence um, this year, um, which I, th- I think she speaks to how difficult it is to come into a team that is so established, like the Celtics, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford, um, in the middle of the season. Um, but then to have the, you know, given the car keys and then the team, the coaches, everybody to trust you to run the team for over a month and then to thrive in that role. Um, I feel like that kind of unlocked him up to another level again. Yeah, I mean the the, the whole the, the team went went yeah. well because Brown got Brown got hurt and then they had that and Brown and Smart were both out and they went to that lineup where Derek and Hauser were both started and it kind of kind of unlocked both of them because you know Derek had Derek had the ball and he was you know playmaking and then Hauser was getting open. And because he was starting, he, he started to get his confidence back and he started making, making shots like, like crazy. So, um, you know, when he was with the Spurs, he wasn't considered to be one of the, uh, you know, he wasn't starting right away, but then DeJounte got hurt. And so he had to get in there and, you know, and, and do well. So, you know, when that's always how he's always been, it's like you, you need him to do something, he can step up, but. In the meantime, he's going to help the, you know, the number one and number two options, you know, get their points and get going. Yeah, we've one of our other co-hosts, Joe. Um, one of his favorite little stats or like theories of you know impactful players is pressure to error ratio. Um, and I think Derek, you know, speaks to that to that kind of theory and impact you know, better than anyone. Like he's constantly putting pressure by getting downhill. Um, and on the other end, he's getting hands in passing lanes. He's putting bodies in front to take charges. And then at the same time, uh, his decision-making is so good. Like, did, did, does it get frustrating, you know, watching other players making correct decisions when, when your son's, like, constantly just always making the right play? Um, no, I mean, that's what pretty much what we tried to get him to do is, you yeah. know, keep making, you know, all you can do is make the right, the right play. Um, you know, if if you drive, if no one stops you, you shoot. If someone if someone steps in front of you, you look to hit the open man. Uh, you, you know, sometimes you you know you know players can get analytical and and it's like, well, you know, I haven't had a shot in forever, but it, it's not your it's not your time. That that wasn't your time to get a shot just because you hadn't had one. So as long as you play the right way, then you get get rewarded the game kind of rewards people that play the right way 
Paul finds energy. I love it. Uh, we've got a we've we're doing some digging, and I I found kind of your old YouTube channel, and uh, I found a, an old interview of Derek here. So we're gonna uh, watch this, and we'll we'll ask you about it after. Derek White. Uh, today was uh, I was in the zone. I was feeling it from the beginning. And I was just trying to be aggressive and uh, try to attack the paint. Uh, I didn't have very many shot blockers uh, online, so I was trying to attack the paint and do whatever it takes to help my team win. When you when you let the pass go to, to Billingsley, that ended up being the game winner, what was going through your mind? I have complete confidence in Tim. Uh, he's worked hard all season long after practice uh, in the off season. So I had complete confidence in him, and I knew that once I, I passed him that he was going to knock down that, that three, and it was a, a big shot for us. And how tired of you? How are you feeling? I mean, you, you put in almost, in, you played almost in. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Do you remember that interview? Yes. We were in Stevensville, Texas. That, like that, I feel like you, we got all, all the little Derek-isms in there, you know, hard work, be aggressive, and then the confidence to find, you know, a teammate. But, uh, you know, how similar and how, like, how, but how much has Derek, you know, changed? That was seven years ago now, um, both as a, as a player and, I guess as a human as well. Um, I mean, that one, just to give you some background on that one, that was uh, uh, the first round of the NCAA uh, regional. Um, he ended up with uh, uh, 50 points, 14 rebounds, okay. eight, three blocks, and three dunks. And, and when he was saying he hit that, hit his teammate, the year before, they were in the opening round of the uh, uh, NCAA playoffs, and they were playing the number one team in the nation. And it was nip and tuck, and it came down. They were down down one, and Derek took the ball, and they, they collapsed on him, and he made the right play. He kicked it out to his shooter, and the shot didn't go. A year later, same different thing. He's got 50 points. You would think, oh, he's going to take the shot. He hit the he hit his teammate again. Don't analyze. Make the correct play. And and Timmy Billingsley knocked it down. So you know that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's it. You found that after you were saying you know ball finds energy. Yeah. Make the play. Uh, so it was it was it was pretty exciting. Like I said, we were in Stevensville, Texas, and and there's not much out there. <laughs> you, you hang 50 anywhere it's exciting um yeah. so derek had a i guess kind of a non-traditional path to the nba right he wasn't like a top five prospect coming out of high school um he played division two for three years before he transferred to colorado so at what point were you like my son's gonna make the nba he's good enough for the nba did you always believe that was a possibility no, my, my wife and I, we didn't believe. He said, he said, you know, like in elementary school, I'm going to be in the NBA. And we said, well, what's, what's plan B? I mean, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people that play basketball. Not everybody can play in the NBA. So, I mean, he's always had to, to work hard. He was never one of the big, uh, the big guns in the, in, in, in the state. And we were just hoping that he would get another chance to play. Uh, you know, after, after high school. Yeah. Look, I, I, I had to find a plan B. My, um, my five, seven to six foot five growth spurt, uh, never, never occurred for, for me, but, um, yeah, that's funny. He, he, pro he proved you wrong. He, he proved the haters wrong. 
Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> was it when he was at Colorado and you uh, started hearing him getting some draft bu- buzz that you were like, "Wow, this is actually going to happen"? Oh, uh, not not even then. I mean, I was pretty much <laughs> tracking websites and, and and you know where they have the draft things and. He, he wasn't listed for a while, and then, and then he was like fifty seventh or something. It was fifty seven to the Celtics or something. So, uh, oh. so it would have been uh, something where he just had to work hard, and so he had to go the the route where he had to go to Portsmouth. Uh, you know, that's the senior only uh, thing in in Portsmouth, Virginia, and he had to do well there, and he got. Uh, you know, he made the all tournament team, which got him uh, got him an invite into the the NBA combine because he wasn't going to make the combine. I mean, and that's where you get in front of all the the big the big name people and the movers and the shakers, and you they have a couple of uh, you know scrimmage games, and he played well in the first one, and like a lot of players. They, they'll play well in the first one and then shut it down. They won't play in the second game. But <laughs> Derek played well in the first, then he played well in the second, you know, and then it, you know, through talking to having talking to people because his coach was uh, Tim Hardaway senior. And so Tim told Marcus, you know, who's been helpful to Derek throughout his career. He said, oh, you're, 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 your guy can play. He can play in the league. So it's starting to get a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, it's a possibility, but you never know. And then, and then he got drafted. So it's like, okay, he did make it. <laughs> this Popovich guy has an eye for talent, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I honestly could probably could not have been drafted to a, to a better spot. Um, that honestly makes perfect sense. Like, Derek's going to kind of thrive in any basketball environment because he can play, as he says, um, on ball, off ball, any role you kind of need. He can he can kind of thrive in a in a pickup game at a combine. So once he got the foot in the door, I'm I'm not surprised that um, he was able to get convince convince some teams. Um, you kind of touched on the this earlier and the lack of ego from Derek, and I think that speaks to not just Derek but a lot of the guys on this roster, like. Derek and Malcolm Brogdon, I think mm-hmm. half the teams in the NBA would kill to have that as their starting backcourt. And the Celtics mm-hmm. have these guys coming off the bench. And, you know, Malcolm only plays 22 minutes tonight. And Derek plays 24 after a showing for a month that he can start on one of the best teams in the NBA. Like, what do you think goes into, because it's not true of a lot of guys around the league. Um, Jay Crowder was like not even willing to play for the Phoenix Suns this year because he wasn't going to be starting. So, like, what what do you think goes into kind of guys that are willing to sacrifice like that? Well, I mean, the main part is the thing is to win. So, you know, to win the game, uh, do whatever it takes to win the game. If that means you, you have to play 43 minutes, you play 43 minutes. If you play 16, you play 16. But you make the most of the the time and the minutes that 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 you have and you make it so that you're valuable enough that that the coach is gonna you know trust you trust you to play that's that's basically what it is i mean if you go into it thinking i need x number of points rebounds assists or whatever then you have a different mentality and then 
it makes it makes more sense that you want to play more because you want to accumulate more more of those stats. Yeah, and and in that vein, sort of the the sacrifice vein, uh, five thirty eight just had a piece the other day about how the top twelve there's the top twelve in their sort of all in one Raptor me- metric. Eleven of them are like MVP candidate, All Star guys, and the twelfth is Derek White. So. Mm-hmm. What is it about his game? And I think we probably touched on a little bit about it, the, his willingness to sacrifice, his versatility in different roles, the fact that he does all the little things that lead to winning. Was that always part of his game, even in like high school and when he was playing in D2? Or is that something as he moved up into Division One and then the NBA that he had to realize, like, I've got to fit in here. I'm not going to have the balls ball in my hands every possession. Or has he always been that type of player? I mean, when he started in high school, he was pretty much tried to, you know, fit in. And it wasn't until his junior year that they turned to him to be more of a scorer. But he's always done, he's always been trying to fit in. Uh, you know, it, his, when he got to CU, uh, they had, uh, you know, they got off to a dreadful start because he was trying to fit in. He, you know, he, he, he had just come in after redshirting. And it's like, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. They got to do all this. But then they decided to turn over and have the offense run through him. And then they started winning more games in, in the second half of the season. So um, he always starts slow because he's trying to trying to fit in. And it looks like he's not being aggressive. I mean, you even saw it when he first got to the Celtics. Yeah. Some people go, well, why isn't he? De-? Well, because you have Tatum and you have Brown and trying not. You know, he said that in interviews. I'm just here not to mess it up. <laughs> and I didn't, yeah. him go, go, go. But he didn't want to mess it up because they were doing pretty good right before he got there, and then they took off after he did get there. Does Does Derek know that his impact stats are are this good? Thanks to for Jeffrey in the chat asking this one. Like, is is Derek kind of aware of like how much the advanced numbers? He's he's like the the role player Jokic, like the the advanced numbers just absolutely love him. And when you watch the games, and I feel like if you know basketball, it kind of it, it jumps off the screen as well. There, uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. know. <laughs> it does not surprise uh, me. Yeah, that five thirty eight that you you know all his his uncle sent us a copy of that right you know yeah, nice. right before game time today. So yeah, so we we got we got to see it, but you. You know, it's almost, um, it's like Novocaine. You don't know, and then all of a sudden you look at the end and, you know, you're knocked out. But you didn't, really, <laughs> you, you didn't realize what was going on until till the end. So it's kind of, it's nice that he gets recognized for things, but he gets recognized in a way that the regular normal fan doesn't know. So they don't think he's doing anything but i mean there, there's a reason why he's like fifth in the league in plus minus behind yep. all the and 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 tatum so novocaine Derek white Derek <laughs> novocaine white we've got another one we've got another nickname for Derek. i workshopped it. it a little bit i, I love it before we get out of here, uh, I, I have just one question, one last question for you, Richard. I am a dad. I have a two-year-old son. <laughs> what is that feeling like when you see your son step on the floor 
in the NBA for the first time because I think I would be like it, I would be annoyingly proud if he makes varsity basketball. Never mind the NBA on the San Antonio Spurs. What does that feel like? Uh, that was that was it, it was incredible because you remember we remember the the first because uh, they played Minnesota, so they were going uh, and it was at home, and so we all went there and. It didn't look like he was going to get in. And then, in like, in the last 10 seconds, you know, where they just kind of, you know, stand together and run out the clock, uh, <laughs> he got put in. So it was pretty cool. It's like, wow. He, you know, he got into, he got into the game. So that was, that was pretty exciting. But then, you know, to see him go when they played the Nuggets. So that's like, we're right here. We see all these games and, 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 uh, that was that was that was pretty cool. And then last year we go to the finals and that that's just mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, and he had that game one in the finals as well, where he was just on fire and brought them back to Yeah, for the win. Yeah, that was that was insane because we, we we were there and and then he got to you know do the interview with, you know, Shaq and Grant Hill and it's just it's just phenomenal that you know, he, he made all those threes and the team came back and won one game one. That was that was incredible. Yeah, I mean, you like you couldn't have picked a better team. It feels like between you, know, you being from Boston and a Celtics fan, um, I feel like the Celtics fan base as well like is a fan base that appreciates players like Derek White that, you know, the advanced numbers and things like that. We, we kind of understand what we're seeing. And I think Marcus Smart, especially for me being kind of like a, a second generation Celtics fan, kind of, you know, from the KG era onwards and seeing Marcus Smart and guys that are willing to put their body on the line and move the ball and be selfless. Um, like I've, I've been an absolutely massive Derek White fan since, uh, since he's arrived here. Um, we've, 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 well, I've personally given him the nickname The Mistress on, on the podcast uh, because, because um, I love him so much that um, I think my fiance is getting jealous, but um, Spoonie's like shaking his head. I was like, the, the, the chat's never going to let me live it down if I don't if I don't tell you the, the nickname. <laughs> he's always still he's still looking for a, a nickname. I mean, I guess that's oh, that, you did that, let him know. <laughs> are you aware of the Buffalo nickname? Uh, I think he got it in San Antonio because he went to Colorado. Yeah, the 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 Great White Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. guys like that one? Well, he, he's used to that one because you know it does make sense. He is from you know like like CU. Oh yeah, because you know their their announcers used to say, "Oh, let the buffalo roam," and you know, that kind of thing. So good. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, so that's actually going to do it for this one. One housekeeping note: we are moving to CLNS. We will be off the Celtics blog feed in the next couple weeks here. So please go subscribe to the first to the floor feed. Mr. Richard White, thank you so, so much. This was absolutely awesome. You gave us way more time than we deserve. So we really appreciate you coming on so much. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for this one. Spoonie, Jake, we are out. See you, everybody. Bye.